The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that the U.S. should look for ways to further de-escalate tensions with China, but that it's too early to cut tariffs. The story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong. Yellen said the U.S. is close to completing a four-year review of the tariffs imposed on China, given that she says it's premature to eliminate the tariffs. Yellen spoke ahead of the G20 meetings in India. The Treasury Secretary acknowledged that a move to lift tariffs would stoke a political reaction at home. However, she said this could be an area where progress can be made over time. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says that China will only harm itself with restrictions on the export of two chip-related metals. Sullivan spoke on CBS's Face the Nation. I believe that it will only reinforce the determination of many other countries in the world to de-risk, to find ways to reduce dependencies and increase the resilience of their own supply chains, including for the kinds of critical minerals that are at issue in this particular decision. Jake Sullivan heard here on Bloomberg, China has said that gallium and germanium will be subject to export controls meant to protect Chinese national security. And those controls will begin on August 1st. Well, China's economy is struggling to gain some traction. We get the latest data later this morning, our time. Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao has a preview from Hong Kong. Second quarter GDP probably grew 7.1% year-on-year, but only 0.8% from the first quarter. The data may look better than the reality because of the COVID lockdown last year in Shanghai. Industrial output and retail sales for June are expected to slow. Retail sales growth in particular likely slid to 3.3% from 12.7% in May. Speculation has grown that China will add more stimulus, but China's central bank is likely to hold its one-year medium-term lending facility rate steady at 2.65% after a 10 basis point cut last month. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, it's a busy week for earnings after J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo and Citigroup put investors in an upbeat mood last week. They beat on analyst expectations. Let's get a preview of what's up next from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. More financials will be reporting this week, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley and Bank of America. The flood of earnings reports come amid questions about whether earnings expectations justify the outlook for stocks. Laura Cooper is senior investment strategist at BlackRock International. We really have seen that better than expected earnings backdrop be a key tailwind for equity markets. And I struggle to see that trend persisting in the second half of the year. This week, we'll also be hearing from Railroad CS. X, UAL, IBM, Johnson & Johnson, Lockheed Martin, Netflix, and Tesla. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. 
Microsoft is promising to keep Call of Duty on Sony's PlayStation. This comes as it gets closer and closer to clearing all the hurdles to buy Activision Blizzard. The story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Microsoft's announcement seeks to address regulators' concerns that the nearly $69 billion Activision deal would make more games exclusive to Microsoft's Xbox, a company already inked a 10-year deal for the game with Nintendo. This latest move with Sony comes after an appeals court Friday denied the U.S. Federal Trade Commission's latest effort to delay the deal. Meantime, U.K. regulators will be looking at the deal again tomorrow, where Microsoft is apparently offering to sell the cloud-based market rights for its games. The company has to close a deal by Tuesday or potentially pay Activision a $3 billion breakup fee. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Denise, thanks very much. Coming up in a little while, we'll be chatting with James Abate, Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Center Asset Management. I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong. A couple of other uh, items we'll be looking at um, with the guests this morning. We mentioned that China's growth may look pretty good uh, in the second quarter, but then because of the lockdown last year, uh, these numbers are sort of skewed. Uh, We'll take a closer look at the stimulus part of this story. All economists surveyed by Bloomberg predict that PBOC will keep its rate on its one-year policy loans unchanged today at 2.65%. What else can they do, and how much uh, more of a reaching out to the private sector can we expect? And again, looking at the dollar um, weaker, not only on hopes that the Fed will stop hiking interest rates, but the dollar bears are looking even past that onto when we might get some rate cuts from uh, the Fed. So that's another topic that we'll be getting into. And and again, S&P 500 firms expected to post a 9% drop in profits in the second quarter, all during a time when markets, equity markets, were racing to the upside. Now it's time for global news. China and Russia are going to hold joint military exercises in the Japan Sea. Ed Baxter with Global News from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, Brian. Uh, Russia saying it will send naval and air forces for the annual drill. China's PLA making the announcement also plays into the ever-deepening issue of China's attitude toward the war in Ukraine. Meanwhile, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on CBS has heard here on Bloomberg says China's help could be used regarding North Korea and says China's inaction is having the reverse effect to what it wants. Frankly, uh, is in fact only creating circumstances in which the United States, our allies and partners have to step up our activities and posture to respond. to. And Sullivan also says the U.S. is firm in saying the recent Microsoft hack came from China. Microsoft has said it was China. We see nothing so far to dispute what Microsoft has said or to second guess their claim that it was China. Uh, Sullivan says a deep intrusion into the systems and Republican candidate for president Chris Christie on ABC is heard here on Bloomberg says China is watching Russia and U.S. actions in Ukraine. Right now, the Ukrainians are willing to fight this fight for themselves if they have our support to be able to win it. Um, If the Chinese watch us back away from Ukraine, believe me, the next move will be Taiwan. Now, politics. Christie says he is going to muscle up on Donald Trump moving forward on issues like this. So Trump last night at a rally. Every time the radical left Democrats, Marxists, communists, and fascists indict me, I consider it to be a great badge of honor and courage. I'm doing it for you. He's a liar and a coward. Uh, He's not getting indicted for anyone other than because of his own conduct. Uh, There's no other of the 200 million Americans he spoke about who illegally retained 
classified national secrets. And then Christie also on CNN saying Trump will show up at the debates, he believes. His ego, I think, will not permit him to have a big TV show that he's not on. Um, and I think he'd be enormously frustrated sitting back at Bedminster and watching what I'm going to do to him. Yeah, Trump says he uh, probably uh, will not be at the first debate, by the way. Uh, U.S. climate envoy has arrived in Beijing, John Kerry, to start up a dialogue on global warming and climate change. Kind of to reset is the uh, is the word they're using. Meanwhile, weather is being very mean to Mother Earth. At least 35 people have been killed as storms batter South Korea. Um, Hong Kong Observatory has issued a strong signal um, eight to now until noon. It said the way it's phasing it is before noon. Uh, first of the year as the region gets pummeled by Talim as a storm. Heat is causing health alerts in 16 cities across southern Europe today and probably for the next couple of days. And in New York, the potential of flash floods. Extreme weather around the globe. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest, James Zabate, Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Center Asset Management. James, a pleasure as usual. Thanks for joining us. So in, investors know that the Fed does not want to give the all clear just yet. Uh, markets have reacted. Uh, but it seems that we know that the Fed will continue to talk tough until they get closer to that 2% deal. So is that discounted in the market? Should we not expect uh, some troubles ahead when the Fed does talk tough? Well, I think it's um, when you have to look at the components of inflation, um, you know, goods prices are moving lower, non-durable goods, uh, as well as industrial production goods, you know, but services still remain in a very sticky uptrend. Um, so I think the real key is that we're looking at, you know, a, a shifting perhaps of um, investors' worries from inflation to potentially one of growth, because mm. if the Fed is um, truly bent on on trying to bring down inflation further and really try to bring that services inflation level down, um, I think investors will start to shift gears and start to worry about whether or not we're going to be um, moving lower on a growth perspective. Because let's not forget, you know, if we look at the manufacturing indices, um, we've been in contraction since November of last mm. year. And when you look at the new orders components, we're 10 months of shrinking new orders, which is a subcomponent of the PMI indices. So we've got this dichotomy between services and manufacturing. And I think the risk is that the Fed actually overshoots focusing solely on services inflation. And they drive the inflation, um, or I mean the manufacturing component, even further south. 
So when we see yields come down, um, some investors might feel good about that because uh, they believe that yields are heading down because inflation is coming down. But it's sending a, the slightly um, a wrong signal, really. It's it's further expectations when the yields drop a lot that there's trouble ahead on the growth front. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because, I mean, right now we haven't had, I mean, the reason why the markets haven't corrected to the same degree that they did as people were expecting, you know, akin to what happened in 2000, 2001, or even the global financial crisis, is that we haven't had that double-digit, um, you know, earnings decline. What we've had really is an environment where, you know, profit profitability has been contracted. Um, but if you look at the components, you know, margins have been, you know, remained at relatively high levels. You know, sales growth is positive, but it's continued to slow down. Um, Margins have been impacted by higher costs, and asset efficiency has been relatively flat. So we've had, you know, only a slight decrease in uh, earnings projections. Obviously, stock markets declined last year on the uh, inflation scare and the rise in interest rates. The other thing that basically was a missing component this time versus others is that we haven't had a big risk aversion. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. events of FTX or Adani or other things didn't have the same kind of a polluting effect on people's risk aversion that, let's say, WorldCom, Enron, or Lehman Brothers, or other kind of significant, uh, you know, disruptions had on investors' psyche. We're back to right. basically where, you know, investors are um, embracing risk in a wholehearted fashion this year. And the scare in March uh, because of the um, uh, banking troubles exactly. uh, was not exactly. that significant. Right. Yeah, Exactly. That's right. That's right. So w- what about um, the slight uh, churn that we've seen uh, under the uh, under the hood in that you had have seen a pretty good bid in industrials. You've seen transports rally. There, there are a number of sectors besides mega cap tech that have done well, even when we're still concerned about growth. Do you think that that I mean, are there some idiosyncratic factors for that reasons for that? Um, or do you think that that's investors telling you that the growth scare while a scare, it's not going to actually take us deeply into recession. Yeah, I think all those things are correct in the sense that, you know, clearly what we've had is a return to, you know, the secular growth stocks, the FANG names, as, as, as we like to call them, basically, this year, as investors have re-embraced them as, as leadership in the market. And simply because of their size, um, in terms of market capitalization, they've had a pronounced impact on what the S&P 500 returns have done. That being said, as you rightly pointed out, you've seen, you know, a lot of strength in some of the cruise stocks, uh, Royal Caribbean, uh, Carnival, um, the airlines and others, because what we saw was essentially a, you know, great operating leverage. And the real key, and this is, this is what might hold the market back, but give opportunity at the idiosyncratic level is that, you know, when you're able to basically you know, bring the that trifecta of, you know, improving fundamentals from a bottom-up perspective. We get a return of sales growth. You get that great profit margin expansion. And then because these companies have cut back so much post-COVID and during, you know, really stimulated by COVID in terms of their own asset base, as they were shutting down so much capacity, they're getting these huge gains in terms of asset mm. efficiency. And that's really the operating leverage that's contributed to these stocks doing exceptionally well thus far this year. Well, how much risk are you willing to take on then, uh, and how would you express it? Well, right now, I mean, this we've been given, I think, a gift. Um, you know, one of the components that we use within our 
American select equity strategy is to tactically hedge the portfolio with protective put options when we feel that we can, in a cost-efficient manner, you know, hedge the underlying risk or the systemic risk that's embedded within the portfolio. So with the VIX down to around 14, uh, we took the opportunity last week to basically put a, a full protective hedge on the portfolio to protect us against a significant kind of tail risk, you know, drawdown from now until the end of the year. And we could do so at, in essence, 50 basis points of the portfolio because volatility is so depressed at this point in time. We're heading into a seasonally rising period of volatility. So, you know, potentially as the market shifts from inflation worries to growth concerns, like we talked about, plus, you know, all the achieved political risks that are, are evident almost every day, whether it's in uh, Ukraine or China or what have you, you know, this is a great opportunity for investors to, you know, inexpensively uh, put uh, some hedges and protect their underlying uh, portfolios. I want to get to China, but um, m- maybe one more question on uh, on the U.S. and on you know inflation versus uh, a growth slowdown. What's the key to watch? I mean, will it be jobs? Uh, will you get it from the data or the earnings? I think it's going to come from the bottom up because historically, you're going to see job losses well inside. Um, a recession itself. And again, I think, you know, when you're looking at the environment that we're in today, and we've talked about this in the past, is that the inability to reconcile the top-down indicators to the bottom-up research, you know, whether it's, mm. you know, ISM numbers, it's a yield curve, all of which are basically saying that we should be in a very deep recession right now. You know, none of that is really evident when you're looking yeah. at companies from a bottom-up perspective because of the distortions that came about from COVID. So I think you're going to have to look at companies and sectors kind of on a one-off basis as this rolling recession kind of makes its way through the overall economy. Now, with China, we have seen a little bit of a pickup in markets, um, largely because of late policymakers have changed their tune a little. They seem a little friendlier to the private sector. The stimulus hasn't really done it. Neither the fiscal nor the monetary stimulus has been all that strong. It's been cautious and piecemeal. What are you expecting out of China, say, over the next quarter or two? Well, I think if the stimulus stays focused on investment uh, and, and, and capacity of uh manufacturing and exports, it's not going to really have much efficacy. You know, my expectation, you started to see some rumors about this, is that if China is able to shift the focus of its stimulus from investment to consumption, you know, part of that could be uh, loosening, you know, urban residency curves that they have. Um, You know, there's a very detailed system with residence permits in China that, um, you know, impacts workers as as they move through uh, from the countryside into the cities and so forth. I think the real key is to take, you know, big significant actions that are going to be able to move the uh, stimulus away from the export-driven model, which because of all the tariffs and other restrictions that are going about, uh, I think aren't going to have that same kind of impact. What they have to do is really drive it towards consumption. And there's several ways it can do that. And residency uh, permits is probably one way to start. Okay, just in 40 seconds or so, your your best option in Asia at the moment? Well, I think, you know, right now, if you're looking at Asia, um, you're starting to see some of the frontier markets do very, very well, um, whether it's Vietnam or other areas. You know, traditionally, one of the things that looks very strong when you see dollar weakness is that er- emerging markets outperform mm-hmm you know, developed markets. And one of the things we've started to see is a breakout. Well, I'm not a technician, but it, it's hard to ignore 
you know, the breakout that you're seeing in some of the emerging and frontier markets, Vietnam yeah. being one of them as a place to go in terms of speculative assets. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. And I'm Brian Curtis. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.